Assalamu alaikum everyone. Welcome to another Safi Broad podcast. We have the fabulous, amazing Zena Yassin with us today. Allah. Thank you. Zena is a 25 years practicing lawyer with her own law firm specializing in insurances. Insurance uh, litigation. Insurance litigation, yes. yes. Uh, an amazing sister and a great mother and a uh, very dedicated individual to also giving back who's part of the leadership retreat who's come and supported us there. Welcome to the Safi Rose podcast. Thank you. It's honored to be here, actually. Uh, I'm actually very humbled by this whole experience. Thank you. Allah Beri Fiki. Thank you. And uh, today's uh, episode is another um, episode of the success minds, uh, the uh, success stories that we want to talk about through our Muslim brothers and sisters that have taken their journey and they would love you to share your journey with us and uh, all our audience. Uh, start from a young age as well, if you'd like. Sure. Take us back. So um, I was blessed to be born in the Civil War in Lebanon. So I was born approximately one year after the Civil War began. And... Um, we were one of the fortunate families who got given a visa to migrate to Australia sure. under Sheikh Fahmi, Allah yeah, um, So much barakah in that man. It, Hello. A few of the Amazing. podcast uh, uh, brothers and sisters have said, Hello, we've all reflected back to Sheikh Fahmi how much of a, mm. how much of a Allah, he's had effect on all of us. Um, and so my parents migrated here in around 1978. Um, and we came with nothing. So I was born overseas. I was the only child at the time, and we came with literally nothing. And oh um, we had to stay in people's houses. My parents slept on crates. I slept in a cupboard um, until, alhamdulillah, my dad was able to rent our first house. Um, and back then, schools were not as strict in asking for documentation about a child's age. Yes. So my parents lied about my age <laughs> and forget. told them I was five <laughs> when, in fact, I had barely turned four. Oh, wow. So I started prep at four years old, um, and I was from a household that did not speak any English at all. So um, oh. I could not speak a word of English and I would often get sent home in prep and in grade one because I could not understand the teacher. The teacher could not understand me. Wow. Um, communication. Amazing, amazing stories. Um, and so my parents often battled with trying to get me back into the school and them sending me home and saying, look, this girl really needs to learn, learn English. Wow. Yeah. Um, How many in the family? So now there's five, but I am the oldest one. Okay. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, so I stayed in that primary school for three years until we moved. Um, what suburb? In Pasco Vale. Wow. So, yeah. So when you first landed was Pasco Vale. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's where our, our sort of roots were. Um, and so I was often sent home. And it was only in probably around grade three that I started to be able to communicate with the teachers. Um, and I, I remember I used to often get teased about my lunch because I used to have za'atar <laughs> and zed for it lunch. It wasn't. I was teased about za'atar too. Yeah, my teachers used to say, oh, are you eating ants? <laughs> <laughs> and I'd go home crying, mum, they're saying I'm eating namal. <laughs> so embarrassing. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, that was my lunch. It was it was Arabic food. We had the Lebanon, the, the za'atar. Yeah. Zatar was the cheapest thing to take it, home, take yeah. to school. It was great. Always and got a Zatar sandwich. And now, yeah. and, now, and, and now you've got it on, you know, every corner with these yeah. cafes. They're doing. Now it's a real gourmet focaccia. thing, yeah. isn't it? That's right. <laughs> and um, and Dad was working two jobs. He didn't have a car, so he used to go on his bike. Um, so it, it was it was a tough childhood, um, but so much simpler than now, isn't it? Yeah. So much simpler. Subhanallah. Mm. So take us through the journey of, um, you know, high school and, you know, your, your growth in that field and wanting to become a lawyer. When did that take place? When did you, you know, believe that that was your calling? What, what happened there? So um, we were living in Preston West at the time. And so my father thought it was a good idea to put me in an all-girls school. So he enrolled me in, in Preston Girls, who's a very strict father. 
So no mixing with the boys or anything like that. So he enrolled me in Preston Girls thinking that that's the best thing for me, not realising that actually when girls don't see boys a lot, they would hang out after school (laughs) or at lunchtime at the gate and see the guys at the all-boys school. But in any event, um, the the high school had quite a lot of um, Lebanese people um, and Lebanese people who are from a background where it was quite accepted and common for them to become engaged and married at 14 oh, wow. or, or, or even 15, 16, um, not common for them to actually finish high school. Wow. Um, and that's what I was surrounded with. And for me, it was, it was quite uh, comfortable because I didn't have to work hard. So I, I'm not going to lie and say I was an A student. I was not. Um, and it was not because I was not working hard. It was because um, uh, sorry, it was because I was not working hard mm-hmm. because I, I became lazy. I became l- like everyone else at the school, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, um, you know, yeah. friends have a huge influence yeah, on, on, on who you become. Subhanallah. And, um, and I'd watch my friends one by one in year nine, year 10, leave the school, wow. become engaged, uh, go overseas to Lebanon, not come back for a while. Um, and that was quite common. Um, and dad, God bless him from a, from a very young age. And it was the most important thing for him that the girls in his family become educated. So he was quite ahead of his time. Um, for him, it was the most important thing. The girls have to become educated because I will never have my girl marry a man and be under the control of wow. a man um, and be oppressed or anything like that. Like that. So it was really big. F- it, was, it was big for him. And um, in his mind, he would assume, yep, yeah, my daughter's going to be, you know, the um, typical Lebo answers, a doctor, a lawyer or an engineer yeah, or an accountant. Um, <laughs> nothing else mattered but it. those four occupations. Um, and he would see when I would bring home my reports from Preston Girls up until year 10 that I was not going to be able to become what he wanted me to become if I stayed at that school. Wow. So at the end of year 10, he took me out and we moved up to a very, very Anglo area, um, Ringwood. Ringwood? And I went to a high school there and did VCE there. Oh, wow. It was very hard because um, I had come from an environment where I was surrounded by familiar nationality, familiar culture, familiar mm, religion. Greeks, exactly. Greeks, um, all of us, uh, uh, all, all of a sudden now, I'm surrounded by probably 95% Anglo. Wow. And it was quite hard to adapt because I had never been in that environment before. Did Dad have a job up in, up in Ringwood? Yeah, so he bought a milk bar because okay, back yes. then it was the, it was the, the <laughs> thing that Lebos did. <laughs> they bought a milk bar. And good milk bars in Ringwood. And, yeah. and they used yeah, to make a lot of money out of cigarettes <laughs> and stuff, yeah. you know, not anymore, of course. Yeah, 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 that's um, changed. Coles has taken all that. Exactly, exactly. Um, and so I did my v- VCE there and all of a sudden I was surrounded by um, kids who whose parents all had careers, so they strove to be like their parents. Wow! And everyone's working very hard, and everyone's got these aspirations. I'm going to be this, and I'm going to be that. And and I have to say, those t- two years of VCE, I worked harder than probably I've ever worked before in my life. Lord. And I got pretty good marks um, to the point where I ended up getting into a Bachelor of Science, in fact, um, biology, so biological medical science. Wow. But, of course, my dad was never satisfied (laughs) because he could not understand what is, like, what's the point of doing science? And I'd always get the, so when do you become a doctor? (laughs) I'm like, no, Baba, I'm not going to be a doctor. I'm going to do medical research. Subhanallah. And he'd be like, 
Shatta al hanagada. Like, when do you actually become a doctor? I'm like, no, Baba, I'm not a doctor. I'm a scientist. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm going to be um, a scientist because in VCE, in high school, I realized that I really love science and I had quite an analytical mind. Um, and and so I started a Bachelor of, of Science, but Dad was just never um, satisfied. For him, it was always like, well, what are you going to work as? Like, what are you going to do? Is, is this an, an occupation which is going to bring me, um, <laughs> uh, like, uh, what's the word? Uh, is it going to be something that's something going to be quite... Proud of yeah. boasting about? It is, of course, because our, they our parents... He wants a label, and the scientist was not an, a sufficient label. So um, My daughter Zena is a scientist. I know, a scientist, a what? Like, how do you say that in Arabic? Um, even though he's, he's actually a very smart man, but for him, his daughter has to be either... Uh, you know, a lawyer or a doctor or an Whoa. engineer or an but accountant. That, that goes for all, most of our, like especially us in our generation. Yeah. Most of our parents wanted that, you know, you're going to be yeah. a doctor, a lawyer, mm. you know what I mean, or an accountant mm. or, or an engineer. There you, mm. got the, you haven't got much choice other than those, yeah. you know. And if you don't, you're a failure. Yes. Mm. And, and that's a sort of, that's that sort of stigma around our, mm. our you know, Lebanese Muslim society in these so. days that, that's the true success, you know. Yeah. And we can hold our head up high with our kids true. that they're a lawyer or a doctor, yeah. subhanAllah. And, and so much pressure on our yeah. kids for that. So much pressure. In these days, like, we're taught to say, oh, it doesn't matter what you want to do. As long as you're happy, that's the most important thing. You can be a guitarist, like it's, not, it's not a problem. <laughs> we never had that option. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's a very different world at the moment, isn't it? SubhanAllah. Yeah. You, wouldn't, you wouldn't even fathom that, SubhanAllah. So I, was, um, I did a, a Bachelor of Science for three years and... SubhanAllah, I would absolutely blitz my exams and I'd get over 95% for every single oh, subject. Um, wow. I, I did so well um, in science that I got accepted into a really prestigious, honourable yeah. um, course as well, wow. doing medical research specifically, um, research into pollens in relation to asthma and hay fever. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, and I was under the guidance of a very, very well-known um, uh, immunologist scientist back then, um, Mr. Ian Taylor, and um, we did so well. And we actually created the first marker to find out what it is that you're allergic to. Oh, so oh, wow. allergies. Yeah, yeah and wow. in fact, my... My research papers are still in the in the Bellevue Library of the Melbourne oh, University. Right. Oh wow! Um, and again, I did so well in that that I ended up winning a scholarship to do PhD. Subhanallah. So, um, so you went to Melbourne Uni. Yes. So I went. I then got accepted into a scholarship to do um, immune immunology or um, immune research. Um, at the Howard Florey Institute of Medical Research at Melbourne University. Wow. That would have been a achievement. And I was getting paid around, I think uh, my salary was thirteen or $14,000 um, a, a year. A year. But it was the most money I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. So for me, I was rich. You know, I was, <laughs> I was taking home, I don't know how much it was, four or $500 a week. Oh, wow. For me, that was a lot of money. That was a lot of money. That was a lot of money. So, um, and it was what probably, age were you, what, what age was that? So I had already done three years of a Bachelor of Science, one year of honours. So I then started um, a PhD, but I was still two years Behind everyone else. Okay. Yeah. So I, I actually gained a couple of years. Because of the yeah. of your parents lying on Yeah. <laughs> yes. You started yes. early. I know. God bless my parents. <laughs> so <laughs> really, lying so really you, you grew up, so you really grew up with people that were two years older than you almost. So, so throughout primary school and high yeah, school. about that, You yes. were one of the youngest yes. person yes. You know, in, in that yes. class. So yes. Wow. And, and um, you may think that's amazing, but actually it's really hard because, because you're mature. Maturity levels aren't the same, so mm. um, you're always trying to catch, catch up. up and run. Mm. Keep up, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Amazing. 
Yeah, so, um, and I was halfway through uh, a PhD where I was just not happy anymore. I was feeling like um, this is not what I want to do. Wow. And if you're going to ask me what was the lowest point in my life, it was actually that. Wow. It was that point where um, I got up one day and I felt, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to do this career anymore. This is not for me. Wow. In that I really enjoy the theoretical side of uh, science, but not the practical side. Mm. And now I was doing a lot of practical Practical. work in the PhD. And um, I was not surrounded by people who I felt were familiar um, I actually felt quite isolated and it was a really hard thing for me to accept that I was now somewhere that I had worked so hard to be, well, yeah. but I didn't want to be there anymore. Four years. More. More. Five, six years. Yeah. Six. yeah, yeah. So, so your vision um, sort of shattered, really. Yes. You know, that big vision that we're going to, I'm going to be there. Yes. I've got, I'm going to make it. And then Correct. you're here now. It's like... Never gone to Correct. Do that. Um, and I still had dad in the background going, so are you going to become a, a doctor of science? Like it was almost like a bit of a, I wouldn't say um, a mockery, but almost like a, like get real. Yeah. Like uh, what's that going to bring you? Oh, subhanAllah, and tough. he sort of had a point. You know, our, our parents um, don't know how to cushion their words. They <laughs> they just say it directly as it is. Between the eyes. These days, it's like you really have to cushion your yeah, words and make it, yeah. sure you're not insulting that person. But he just said it exactly like it is. And he was absolutely right. I felt as if um, if I had continued on with my PhD, the best thing I would have gotten out of it is a title, Dr. Zena. But am I actually feeling happy here? Am I feeling rewarded? Am I feeling satisfied? And and I was not. And and that was the lowest point of my life. It's amazing. That was one of the lowest yeah. points, actually, probably almost the lowest point of my life is being in that situation. Isn't that how important it is? Fulfillment, you know? So you got to this point where you weren't fulfilled and suddenly mm-hmm. there was a big gap that we need to fulfill. Now, now yes. I'm not fulfilled. Oh, no. And this is exactly what happens to most of us is that we, mm. we achieve a goal and then yeah. we don't fulfill. Or, or we think it's the right we, thing. We think yeah. it's going to be that fulfilling thing at the end of it. And it's like, wow, it's not what I, fulfills mm. me. There's, there should be more. There needs to be more. Yeah. Subhanallah, we've taken those journeys ourselves 100%. through business, through mm. Well, you get to a spot and you say, no, it's not fulfilling. I, I, I can do more. And, and it's, it's, not, it's the hardest thing to get off that track. Hardest it, thing. It's because, very hard because, because it's, it's, it's sort of, in a way, it's sort of familiar, isn't it? Yeah. It's, starting, um, it's the comfort zone, really. Like, yeah, you know, I've, exactly. I've got here. Yeah, I've done all that hard work. I know work. what to do. I, I know where my place is. For me, that was the probably the most lowest moment of, of my life where I mm. had invested so much into doing what I thought I loved um, but then when it came to a, dif- a different aspect of that career, I was not enjoying it. And I knew that um, I didn't want to be in a career of just academia. I did not want to be a person who just keeps writing theses and, and papers wow. and all that stuff. Um, what Was that transition wanting to do more for humanity and for, for yourself Yeah. instead of feeling... Where am I? Where, how am I going to contribute to the world in this? Yeah, yes, you're absolutely right, and and also just feeling isolated in in a um, laboratory, doing experiments and then writing papers about them. It was just I was I was quite unfulfilled, quite bored. Um, yeah, so um, and it, it was very hard um, accepting and swallowing that I had reached that point. Of, of my life, especially in front of my dad, where I kept defending my <laughs> career choice, you yes. know, over and over and over again. And to come and tell him, well, actually, dad, I think you're right. Um, I'm not really <laughs> feeling fulfilled here. It's a tough one. <laughs> because I got over and over again, and I'm at the leg heck. I told you. <laughs> I don't rub it in, don't you? I told you. He likes to rub it in. So um, I then, it, it was approaching around end of the year. And I got out the um, university entrance uh, paper that comes out around the same time of every every yeah. year. And I had a look at the courses available. And um, I thought about, do I want to go into medicine? Do I want to go into engineering? Do I want, like, I, I need to fit into what dad thinks I need to be? 
Um, and then, uh, and I put down medicine, dentistry, engineering, and I think I, from my vague memory, I had five options, and I put down four, and I was wallahalazim out of things that um, I wanted to put down. So just for fun, I put the down last law. option, you know. Like, yeah. I put down law, whatever. You never know. Law. Yeah. <laughs> Baba wants me to be a lawyer. I'll just put I it know. down just in case. I actually, and I got into law, and <laughs> wow, I absolutely freaked out um, uh, because I knew nothing about law. And in fact, in year eleven, I did legal studies as one of our option optional subjects, and I quit after two months because it was just not interesting for me. It was not interesting. It's not something that I'm interested in at all. So, so you all, got into all, law. all the other options didn't come to the table? No, no. no. Just law? Just law. I actually wow. got into law. Um, and when I saw it, I had to do a double take and a triple take, and I'm thinking, what? Like, how, how can I get into law if I don't have any of the prerequisites at all? But I did have excellent marks in Bachelor of Science, and it was that that actually got me into law. Wow. Yeah. Subhanallah. And, um, and Melbourne Uni. Yeah, of course, of course. Melbourne Uni is um, Monash University, oh, okay. which back then it was actually the best law school in, in, in Australia. Wow. Yeah, Monash University. Um, and I looked at the paper and I was just in shock. And then that was another low moment for me because now I'm faced with this crossroad. Do I turn left or do I turn right? I, like, no jokes, I have no idea what I'm doing. Wow. And I remember... I remember being so anguished and really, really upset by about where my life had uh, positioned itself. Um, and I went home and I told my dad, I said, Dad, um, this is what's happened. And I've, I, I'm, I got accepted into law, but I'm doing a PhD in science. He goes, you? Hey, no. <laughs> like, as in, it's like, what an easy decision that is. Like, why are you upset for? Hey, do law. Law. I'm like, Hello? oh, wow. Is it that, it's like, is it that easy to just transition? I'm Hello, like, all right. Well, I don't have any other choice, really. So, oh, no. <laughs> but of course, because dad's uh, never satisfied, in his mind, he's thinking, my daughter's going to um, get into law and then go back and finish her PhD so that she can be Dr. Zena, the lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. So, um, and I started uh, Monash University Law School, and it was so hard, so like hard. It yeah. was a really, really tough course, and I had come from – um, a science degree where I was acing 95% and over, I was getting the highest mark in the whole uh, wow. faculty to now I'm struggling to even get 60% on every exam. Wow. It's, it was so hard. You started first year? So you had to start at first year or did you get exemptions? First year. I, I, I got exemptions and so I was able to finish it in three years as opposed okay. to the five yes. uh, back then. Oh, awesome. wow. Yeah, so my science degree didn't go totally totally to waste, if you know what I mean. Oh, so I ended up getting a lot of exemptions. That's awesome. Yeah. But it was really hard and it was exercising a part of my brain that I was not used to exercising. Um, and in the first year, I sort of thought, I don't know if I'm enjoying this. I'm not sure. It's it's very, very hard. And it's not making me feel fulfilled because I can't get those high marks. Mm. So I used to really thrive on those high marks and being recognized. Wow, you know, Zena got the highest mark out of everyone. And um, now it's, it was like just almost a pass. But oh, wow. at the same time, there was a 50% failure rate. Wow. In that course, wow. so fifty um, percent, around fifty percent, fail their exams. Um, about thirty percent um, drop out. Wow, that it, much so pressure! So had a really, really, high, a very high dropout rate. Very high. Oh, yeah, so surviving um, is a twenty percent chance. There. Yeah, yes. So um, seeing um, my friends fail. And then drop out. It's like, oh, actually, I'm not doing that bad after all. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're looking at and the context, yeah. The highest marks were like um, around 70, 75%. Wow. Yeah, it was a really hard course, very, very hard. Um, written by um, a lot of the judges and uh, federal court, high court judges. It was a very, very hard course. Oh, yeah. But I, I enjoyed it after the first year. I really enjoyed it. 
Subhanallah. What I changed? It so what changed? Um, what I started understanding it more. Uh-huh. <laughs> when you understand things, it, it, it becomes a lot more enjoyable. 100%. Yeah. Allah, going back to that point, it's so crucial to evaluate the situation in context. So you might be getting 60%, mm. but comparatively, you're really getting 90 Yes. You know yes, what I mean? Especially exactly. if you look in the context of how many people are mm. not passing. And I think sometimes a lot of us fail to do that. Mm. Sometimes we see ourselves just struggling to make it. Mm. And because it's such a hard and challenging situation that we barely make it. But in reality, there's nobody else who's doing it and getting that 100% in real. Yeah, so exactly. comparatively, you're doing amazing. Mm, 100%. Sometimes we yeah. have to see it that yeah, way. Yeah, we have too. to see it. Yeah. We have to, yeah, it's very important, especially for our viewers. Mm. SubhanAllah, man. Yeah. yeah, so then um, in my... Second year of law school, we had to do um, a few hour um, placement a week at um, a law firm. And I got stuck at this law firm up in Wheeler's Hill. And it was a, a very old man. He was, he was, I mean, back then he seemed very old, but he's not old anymore. Um, <laughs> maybe he was about 70. <laughs> and um, he did, he was basically a jack of all trades. Mm. Um, and he was up in, in Willers Hill, and um, um, I didn't know this, but he was also he had an investment in Amway. Oh, oh yeah. Amway! Yeah, the pyramid scheme. Back in the, yeah, a pyramid scheme, Amway, and he would spend a lot of time going away on conferences <laughs> and just leave me in the office. Subhanallah. Um, and I honestly didn't know what I was doing. Like it was just so foreign. Um, so I ended up just being his um, paper pusher. Just put the pens here, put the papers there, organize these files, um, you know, work out the costings on um, on that file, read this article and tell me uh, tell me what it means. Like a a real assistant, well, <laughs> a PA, a PA, yeah. Well. Um, and I thought to myself, oh, I don't know if I'm enjoying this, but I'm sure that this is not a real accurate picture of what other lawyers do this as well. So. I stuck it out. Did, was that was that uh, was that given by the uni that that particular no, so placement, we, or you, we, you went and got that we on just your own? Had to apply for any law firm we can get a placement okay. at and do it. Wow. And how many did you hours. apply for? Oh, at the time? probably about six. Okay, yeah, and I, I ended up getting that one. It was not that far away from home, home okay. probably about half an hour drive or so. Oh wow! Um, but yeah, he was not really invested in his work. I must say, he was mm. not very invested. Um, so it. It didn't give me the best example of what what to come other lawyers do. Subhanallah. Um, yeah, and then I um, graduated, and that was very scary. That was very scary because um, I've been sheltered in uh, university life for so long, um, protected amongst the four walls. I've had um, lecturers telling me what I had to do, and now all of a sudden I'm on my own, which was really, really, really scary. Um, and I remember applying for quite a few places, but back then it was very, very um, competitive to get any job in law um, as a junior lawyer. It was extremely, extremely competitive. Wow. Mm. And that journey of you going to uni and being in Anglo school, being Muslim, Zena, how was that? Eating zatar, how, how was well, that journey? In, Did in, you feel at that time any... Like you weren't welcome. Did you feel like any of your, you know, did you feel that at all? Yeah. Well, in in primary school, um, it, it, as a young girl, a young four, five, six year old girl, seven year old girl, um, you're not very aware of those issues. Um, you become aware, more aware as you get older. Yes. Um, and the only time I was really aware of it is when I went to uh, Ringwood. And I was surrounded, all of a sudden, surrounded by Anglo's. Mm. When in the past, I was most mostly yeah. surrounded by ethnics, um, <laughs> um, familiar people. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, and um, that was quite freaky because um, I think I was probably one of between five and ten ethnic people at that school. Wow. Yeah. What, and, and, and how many, how many like, students? Five hundred. So 500, what do you 600? guys eat at home? So like it was, it was so foreign for them. Um, seeing this Middle Eastern girl being at their school, it was quite exotic as well. Subhanallah. Um, but I found it adju- difficult to adjust to being like them. Mm. 
So I always felt like a bit of a foreigner. Outsider. If you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. And uni? Um, University, Bachelor of Science, uh, there was a lot of ethnics there. Um, uh, Bachelor of Laws, um, at the time, I was the only Lebanese, the only Muslim. Wow. um, And the others were either, um, there was about 50% Jewish. Wow. Very, very high population of Jewish people doing uh, law school at the time. And then there was quite a few Asians from overseas, so um, international students yes. from either Singapore or China. Yes. Wow. Um, and, I, and, and actually there was one um, Muslim girl with me who was from Mauritius, but I was the only Lebanese girl there, wow. the only Arab there. So you were breaking some uh, barriers. I mean. Well, you know, sometimes it's nice to boast when it's warranted, and um, from my understanding, I was the first Lebanese Muslim lawyer. Wow. Mm. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. Wow. But alhamdulillah, since then, we have oh, so many more now. Yeah, it's it's really fantastic. That's amazing. Really fantastic. So, uh, you were a pioneer. Yes. Pioneer in law. Subhanallah. One step. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. amazing. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Let's just see that statistics. 50% mm. of the, the, the Jewish communities in law. Yeah, huge, huge population there. Alhamdulillah. And, and, and that also offers that. And, and everything. It's, it's, a, it's a huge play as well. Like in, in talking to some of these kids, like we've got a few people, that, you know, through the mentorships, like, mm. uh, you know, that have gone now through law and the, the support network is so crucial. Mm. Like yes. having another lawyer who'll take you on, like you said, you went into you know, a guy who didn't really take it seriously is yep. just a, where we, you need these other people within the community yes. to support yes. you and help you and mold you. And, you know, and, and now we've got that, alhamdulillah, like yeah. there's a legal so, network now with Muslims. Well, I, I, I definitely didn't have that at the time. In fact, um, you know, if you want to go down a different path with this conversation, I faced a lot of struggles um, in relation to getting past the law school stage, in fact. Wow. Um, absolutely. Um, I, you know, I, as you know, I've got a speech impediment. I've, I've got a stutter. Mm, um, so we didn't notice. I, I try very hard awesome, to try and keep it um, a, a smooth. Um, but sometimes if I'm faced with a situation where I'm quite nervous or agitated or angry, it's Come. a lot more obvious. Yeah. Mm. So, um, but... With confidence, of course, comes the fact that you stop thinking about things like that. But um, did it cause me a lot of anguish? Of course it did. It absolutely did. But it's no different to anyone else who's got any other, um, if you want to call it a disability or an anguish or a fear or anything else. So for me, it's actually been a blessing. And I only know that now. Because it's made me work a lot harder than a person who might not have gone through that. So, um, you know, you know, we have to never lose sight of the fact that, um, you know, sometimes these things are actually a blessing um, in disguise. disguise. A a real blessing. And struggle is, look, struggle. A lot of people that haven't struggled and haven't faced those Mm. true, true hardships, you know. And you can only imagine, like, you know, the hardships of not being able to communicate. You know what I mean? Yep. I can go back to myself, coming to Australia as a young chap, mm. at 12 years of age, didn't know a word of English, you know? Yep. Communicating with other people, which is so crucial. Yep. You know what I mean? Absolutely. To be able to tell them how you feel, how you Absolutely. think. Absolutely. You know, and we, we can't communicate accordingly and we have those stresses and, and, and they laugh close up and they, yep. you know, and subhanAllah, yes. what a huge struggle. And as, you, and as we know, it's so key to communicate in the legal yes, world, you know, and you very, do that. Well, yeah. it's all about speaking and it's all about, um, you know, being able to prove your point and argue your, your point and have people believe uh, your um, rationale. what you're saying, you know, understand uh, what you're saying, accept it, believe it and, you know, go with it. Um, so that was quite tough, but... Um, the older I get, the more I actually realize, in fact, it's, it's, it's a blessing. Amen. And, Amen. and you know, one of the most amazing things I say, and, um, you know, this goes to show that I'm really comfortable where I am and who I am and everything that I've been given, that if I were able to become an architect of my own life uh, from the beginning, I would do it exactly like 
I've had now. Like, like there would not be anything different. No regret. No, no. Regret. awesome. And no, that's no, the key. absolutely that's the key. not. Alhamdulillah, yeah. And that's and that's subhanAllah, that's one thing that as Muslims we believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best of planners. Correct. He, he knows what's good for us. And he, all those struggles and subhanAllah, it's, it's paving the way to, for that. Yes. For that end goal, inshallah. Yeah, Hello. absolutely. Every one of us has some form of impediment. Every one of us has, nobody's a complete picture. And, yeah. and, and subhanAllah, and so many times through mentoring and through, you know, dealing with people mm. is that no such thing. You know, the, the, the beauty of us is our imperfection. Correct. And that's what makes us Correct. so unique. That's what makes us stand out 100%. is this imperfection. Because if we're all the same, yeah. there's nothing to compare to. You're yeah. absolutely right. And a bit, But um, sometimes when you lack the maturity to yes. see that and, and understand that, um, you think to yourself, oh, if, only, if only I could do this, if only <laughs> I didn't have this, if only, if yeah, only, if, if only. only yeah. But actually, there's no such thing as yeah. if only. Yeah. You just have to take what you have and work with it and strive for becoming the best version of yourself. And um, I remember in, um, you know, in in my early days as a lawyer, um, I would hear my boss and those who were superior uh, to me engage um, in in negotiation and and talk and, you know, um, analysis. And I'd look and I'd think, oh, my God, I'm never going to be able to do that. I don't think I'm cut out for this job. Like they're, they're so, they're so, Self-doubt, they're on a different level. <laughs> um, and then, as I became much more um, experienced and much more knowledgeable, I sit with people who are so much more advanced in years than me that I think to myself, I can't believe all these years I used to doubt myself these people actually shouldn't be here. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> seriously, like they're the ones who actually should be doubting whether, whether they're supposed to be there or not. But it's all about what you tell False yourself. So they've told themselves that, yes, I deserve to be here. Yeah. Um, I have to be here. And therefore they um, portray that. Yeah. Whereas I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm, it's, a, it's, a, it's too much. But, um, you yeah, know, I, I, I deserve to be there. So what, what was your first job in, in law? So, um, my first job was working for um, Kenyans uh, who I ended up staying with for about 11 years. Wow. Yeah. Um, and, but I started off in their commercial department where I was doing a lot of franchise agreements. So all of my interaction was with um, wow. was in the corporate world, which wow. was really boring. Yeah. Very, very um 11 boring. years of corporate? No. So that was in the first year. Okay. And then they had um, another department because I was based in North Melbourne and they had uh, uh, another department in Preston where they did all the commercial litigation stuff. So the um, insurance work, the, the, um, um, the really fun stuff with the everyday person. I was dealing with all the... Um, the big corporates. The big corporates. And, then, and I asked my boss, I said, look, I really want to be transferred over um, to the Preston Department. I, um, I want to try this other um, area of law. Um, and I loved it. I loved it because I got to deal with the everyday Joe Blow whose rights have been infringed. And I was there to help them out and put them in a better place. Wow. So, so you found yeah. your purpose there. I found the purpose. I, I did. I I. I found the purpose, um, and again, because I had never done that before, that area of law was quite. It was it was a quite involved, and I would watch my boss um, sit there w- with a dictaphone, going, "Okay, on this on this file of," and he'd go on and on and on and on, and I think, oh, "I'm never going to know how to do that." Oh my god, it's so involved. Subhanallah. Um, but I ended up becoming the highest fee earner there. Within about five years, love it. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I was I was making as much as as in um, for the firm. I was bringing in as much as the boss was. Wow! Wow! Um, and then around ten all, years all, later, all in insurance. Yes. So wow. around ten years later, our firm got bought out by a big commercial firm, Slater and Gordon. Oh, mm. Thank you very much. Yes, um, and they. Slater and Gordon started to want to apply um, a commercial setup in our humble 
office. Oh, wow. So, um, and it just wasn't working. Uh, um, in my opinion, it just wasn't working. The um, corporate structure, which they wanted to bring in, just wasn't working. Oh, um, different cultures. Different cultures, different... Um, Visions. Different dynamic, different vision, different outcomes. Wow. Um, and our clients, of course, who are... Most of them are from non-English speaking backgrounds. They just, they felt like they were being left behind. Um, and I had a very large, uh, a very large amount of, of clients who just wanted uh, to deal with me because I became a bit of a guru in the um, taxi and rideshare industry. Wow. Um, and uh, I would, at that time, I got married to a, a lovely person, Hasan Motadi, who <laughs> who's going to be interviewed here soon as well. Yes, and um, he had already been uh, through the whole owning his own c- company, selling it off. He was very successful. And Shalala. I would come home every night feeling quite uh, unhappy. And I'd tell him, Hase, I'm not feeling happy about this takeover. I'm not feeling like I am where I want to be. And of course, his first reaction why was, "Why don't you just leave and open up your own firm?" And it, it rolled off his tongue so easily, but for me, he was absolutely freaky. <laughs> oh my god, open up my own firm! Like, where would I start? What? <laughs> it was so. It, <laughs> it was, was, so it was such a foreign idea, wasn't it? Like, it, it was, was not even in my mind. Um, and every day he would tell me the same thing: just leave, leave, and uh, open up your own firm. And um, I must say that if it wasn't for his um, support and his guidance, I probably would not have done it when I did. And yeah, I opened up my own firm. It's now been about twelve years. Um, I'm very. So it was proud. a good choice taking Hayes. It was a great choice. <laughs> it was a very good. We have to put that out there. <laughs> it was a good catch. <laughs> it was a good catch. Um, <laughs> both both good catches for Salah, <laughs> Mashallah. Alhamdulillah. As they say in the Arabic term. The Jot found its cover. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> that sounds better. <laughs> a, a bit more sophisticated. <laughs> we're going to go back to our oh, room. Yeah. <laughs> now we're going to ask who's the jug and who's the lead, mate. Yeah, <laughs> well, 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 yeah, well. yeah. So um, and now I've had the firm for about 13 years. I started out in in my lounge room on a farm, um, not yes, realising. To touch, to touch on base on that, Zena and Haysom... Uh, were the first to support us and give the the farm to do our first first retreat leadership retreat. So first leadership retreat was so done at Zena's office. Oh, really? At yes. the barn in the yes. back. Yes. And we ended up upstairs. You Correct. moved. You, you moved. moved from upstairs. I remember. Correct. And we ended up uh, sleeping all uh, upstairs. Hello, in in your old office. Subhanallah. Yes. I remember that. Yes. I've seen that office. We did actually wrestling there. <laughs> yeah, with the boys. Yeah, we got videos of all go. the boys wrestling up there. That was our first boys. Retreat that we did with mainly was about I think 25, 30 Beautiful. Boys. Yeah, wow. I'm so happy to hear I that. Actually. Sorry to cut you there, yeah. but you mentioned <laughs> no, the farm, no, so that's really that. great. So I was living at the farm, um, and my office was um, one of the bedrooms that I had turned into an office, um, and my uh, sister had left the taxation office as a prosecutor, um, and she came. At the right time, I said, "Are you interested in helping me set up a firm?" And I really need you to be my, um, um, basically, right hand. Right hand man. And um, she's got a lot, of, um, a lot of accounting background. And I said to her, "I need a person who can um, manage at trust accounts. I need an office manager, and, um, and this and that." And it started out just me, just um, Ranam and I. Wow. And I didn't realize how big it would grow in a short period of time. SubhanAllah. Um, and I remember, you know, um, in my first month of opening, um, at least about 15 clients came across from the other firm into my firm because they were looking for me. SubhanAllah. Uh, they were looking for me and they found me um, and one client would then tell another client and another client and, and another client and then I had to employ my first girl and then and then my oh. second girl and my third girl and it just went on and on and on and on and it really avalanched into something that um, I could never have uh, predicted. But it was with the 
um, grace of Rabbil Alameen that I, I had that blessing. Allah, isn't that amazing? No, amazing? no marketing ever done? No marketing what Allah. whatsoever. And up until th- this day, I don't advertise. I don't have, uh, um, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't advertise. Word of, word um, of mouth. Because the clients who are going online looking for a lawyer are not the clients that I want to um, deal with. Mm, subhanAllah. Yeah. But it's amazing. A lot of people don't understand. In the business world, 85 to 90% of your customers mm. are word of mouth. Mm. We even track, yes, uh, we track our own business here yep. and we look at it and subhanAllah consistently for the past mm. seven years, majority of people coming to our businesses have been word of mouth. Word of mouth. Yes. You can only capture five or 10% really if you're really good at marketing mm. and you're pushing a lot of money. But in reality, if you don't get that referral base, your yes. business is worthless. Yep. If your reputation. Referral is everything 100%. because but you, you've, 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 you, you've got a bit of a name in the insurance uh, game. I do. And, and when um, when a client actually goes and tells um, someone or when they can attest to your excellence mm-hmm. and your knowledge, yeah, man. Um, that's all the work done. What's your nickname in the insurance game? I heard, I remember Hasan mentioning it once. Oh, uh, I'm pretty sure I get called a lot of names by my opposition, <laughs> um, all of which I can't repeat here on air. <laughs> but um, a nickname, I'm not sure. Oh, I remember you telling me, I think the winner or something in, in their game, especially because insurance. Look, I, I'm, I'm very proud. I'm very proud to boast that we are, I run, um, in my opinion, um, one of the most successful plaintiff law firms around in my field of law. Just um, take us through what you ex- exactly do, just so our, our clients yeah. know. So um, I specialize in insurance litigation. So um, if your house burns down, you've got insurance and the insurer either doesn't want to pay you or wants to pay you substantially less than what you feel your right is. You, um, yeah. You have Title to get to, yeah. exactly, and um, they may allege things like fraud, um, a, a breach of um, um, indemnity, all these different issues. Wow, that's one aspect of the work that I do. The other aspect is um, property damage. So if you if your property is damaged and it's damaged by another person's negligence. Um, I deal with that part of it. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's good. But yeah. it's amazing how you've sort of transitioned where you were like, you know, there and then went to law and then subhanAllah you had that opportunity, mm. that bridge, yeah? Not all of us can see those bridges in life, yeah. subhanAllah, and where yeah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala <coughs> absolutely sort of had He's that guiding us. He's guiding us. Yeah. Yes. For you we, we, we speak about that, like having your receptors on, making sure that you, you, you're obviously going from commercial law you realise very quickly that you want to be with the, with the people, making a difference and change. You know, um, you know. I, I always say that um, one of the best guides for our life and and what what path to take next is your gut instinct. Mm. It's a really huge blessing f- uh, from Rabbi Alamin yeah, that yeah. Um, you know our our brains are so smart that they can justify any decision at all. <laughs> yeah. But your gut instinct really guides you. It's your it's your compass. Yeah. It, it tells you that what you're doing is right or what you're doing is not right. Yeah. And uh, of all the times that I've done things that I have not been proud of, it's because I didn't l- listen to my gut instinct. Oh, it's my. because m- m- my gut said, don't do it, but my mind justified it. Yeah. And um, so you're right, that's you're right. it's, it's a very important part of life. And um, successful people are able to tap into that gut instinct and Fair really enough. follow Follow through. What it says. Yeah, 100%. I, mean, I, mean, I totally agree. It's amazing, subhanAllah. So you get to deal with some of the biggest companies, biggest insurance companies. I do, I do. Actually, it's they're, great. All, they're, they're all under one umbrella, aren't they? The majority. Well, uh, well um, uh, there's probably five main insurers out there. Players, yeah. And each one has got a few different um, brand names wow. underneath it. So, yeah. So so when they yeah. see your name, but, Zena, but coming against us. One of the us, biggest things that that makes me proud is that um, when they get 
a letter from me, it goes to a special Yassine Loy's department. No <laughs> way. I love that. Yeah. Wow. So that means that amazing. we have to take them seriously. Like <laughs> that the, means that they're they're saying on their in, part, in, we guys. better take them seriously. Yeah, these guys yeah. uh, mean business. It's, uh, it's not just here. Yeah, whatever, we'll deal with it later. It's like, oh, wow. we need to deal with that now. Isn't that amazing? Yes. That, that is. Yeah. That's a powerhouse to have that reputation. Absolutely, you know, yeah. Oh, like, it is. It oh, is. Like it is. And I, I, I'm very proud of uh, of the firm uh, that I've built. It's been built on um, hard work um, and on really being a perfectionist and striving for excellence in every single file. It doesn't matter if it's a small file or a big one, excellence on every file. So every single client who leaves my office is in a better position than when he came. I've I've noticed, like, you know, you know, growing up watching American movies, you know, back then a, a lot of that, you know, following ambulances, insurance work, and and insurance not paying for yeah. for cover for certain hospital cover and things like that. Back then, it wasn't really a lot in Australia. And then obviously, mm. a lot of the wogs came and started doing some silly things, yeah. which it became harder. Even when you were in the right, it felt like. You had to prove to these insurance companies that, yeah. hey, I wasn't doing anything wrong. That's a really. It's, it's become. That's a very good point because um, in my line of work um, and where I deal with um, indemnity issues, so refusal of our of you, your insurer in actually paying you, I found that there's quite a lot of um, stereotypes applied by the insurers insurance. and and racism. So wow. if if you're name is, for example, Muhammad Abdi or, um, you know, uh, um, Ran Singh, yeah. automatically there's like, ding, is this person trying to defraud us? Wow. But it's not like that if your name is John Smith. And I, I, I noticed that from years and years ago. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. So there is that sort of preconceived... It's a built-up um, sort of stigma yeah, throughout yeah. The, the, the insurance world, yes. isn't it? Really? Yes. And again, like uh, uh, the insurers are getting tougher and paying anything. Is it just look, getting tougher because they're, they're getting tougher because people are becoming more and more dodgy? Mm. Yeah, uh-huh. like they're they're finding new ways to loopholes there. defraud. Mm. <laughs> Let's be frank about that. Yeah. So, um, you know, unfortunately, this is uh, this is what's happened, and. Whether it be from tough economic times, I don't know, but it, there is fraud around, and so of course, of course. Do you, do you insurers take, are getting sorry. you know tougher and tougher. tougher. Do you take like if you felt that the client wasn't being totally frank, would you take Gosh, him on? I get asked that all the time. Yeah, what I, would I, you do if you knew? Yeah, your because because I, I, you know I've watched Devil's Advocate, and <laughs> you don't want to sell yourself job, along the way. My job is not to ask, are you guilty or not, or did you do it or not? My job is to say, what's your story? Wow. What's your story and how can I bring your story to light and achieve a successful outcome? Oh, wow. And sometimes it's not actually um, an outcome where he gets monetary compensation, but it protects him from police prosecution. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Have you ever not refused a client? If you don't want me asking, have you ever said, um, no, I don't want to touch yes, this case? Yes, and um, and the best uh, uh, excuse I, I use is I'm working on a very large Supreme Court action and I need to be out of the office for the next two months <laughs> um, just so I don't cause yeah. um, issues. But I have, I have when a potential new client I'm I'm talking to sounds like the type of person who's just never going to be satisfied. Yeah. Wow. Because there are people out there who actually think that they know the law better than you do. Yeah. And they, and they know the rules better than you do. And they say, um, this is going to be very easy. All you have to do is this, 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 this. And I, and I already know from what he's saying that it's not going to be this, 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 this. It's going to be a lot more than that, but he's never going to appreciate what I'm doing. He thinks he knows more than me. So I think it's best if he goes to someone who's he's able to probably overpower him. Subhanallah. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. When you come thinking you know it all, <clears throat> yeah. you know nothing. Subhanallah. Yeah. And that's the hardest struggle. Yeah. Take, take us through your, how many years now it's been? 10 years? So n- now I've had my own firm for... Well, Probably 13, 12, 13 years. years. I started in 2000 and I got married in 2010. 
2011. Yeah. Can you take us through the most successful uh, win that you've said yes, you know, that you could, you know, you'd be proud of? Take us through a story. This is going to be very cliched now, but no jokes. Every win for me is a, is a very successful win where I really feel satisfied. I feel like I've really done something for this poor person who, um, whose rights have been infringed. Um, so every win is, is a success, um, is a real um, achievement for me, but, um, um, you know, sometimes you don't stop and think about what you've achieved or how well you're known in your industry until someone else who you usually look up to points it out. And I remember um, a couple of years ago, I always brief barristers out for appearing at actual hearings. Um, and one barrister, Howard Friedman, who um, I had been briefing for over 15 years. And so we, I, I knew him very well. And he was a very good um, um, barrister who'd been in the industry for three times more than I was. So wow. Very, very knowledgeable. I remember he gave me a call on my mobile phone and he said, Zena, I'm in a bit of a dilemma. How do you um, suggest we do this, this, this and this? And he's asking me for advice Love on that. something that he actually uh, should know. And <clears throat> without thinking, I said, well, Howard, uh, we need to do this, 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 and this. And he goes, oh, gosh, you're brilliant. And he hung up the phone and I thought, wow. <laughs> like, um, I did not expect that. I like, I didn't realise how much I know in my industry and in my area of law. Wow. That I've got a barrister asking me for advice. One of your mentors, one of your yeah, people. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's amazing. When you look up to somebody and then, subhanAllah, like, you yeah, know, yeah. They, they lean on you. That's, yeah. that's, that's yeah, a amazing. Yeah. Task, yeah. Yeah. Or, or even like when when a new client phones up and says, oh, um, I was talking to, to so-and-so and they've highly recommended. They said you're the go-to person, the best person in this industry. Oh. And it's like, oh. Actually, I didn't realise that, but yeah. Alhamdulillah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. I'm just, <laughs> I worked. Yeah. It's paying off. <laughs> well, it, doesn't, it doesn't come for free, you know. It's a blood, sweat yeah. and tears. And you know? I think a lot of people, like we but said, you don't, know. Don't be shy to actually acknowledge that, you know what, I'm like if you've achieved something really good in your life, don't be shy to yeah. understand that and, and actually – um, accept that as opposed to doing, oh, no, I should be doing more because that's what you do when you're younger. You, you sort of have a lot of self-doubt. Mm. Then as you get older, you start to really accept and embrace and, yeah, I'm, I'm actually not bad. Alhamdulillah. I'm not bad. And everything's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Absolutely. And I never forget. I never, ever forget uh, five times a day in every single prayer. I never forget that this is from the grace uh, um, of oh, Allah and I don't yeah. stop saying Alhamdulillah because I know that it's Amen. only from the grace of Allah. Amen. It was not just from my hard work. Amen. And I always tell my son, I've got an eight-year-old boy and, you know, um, Alhamdulillah, he's raised in a, in a household of privilege. Um, again, that, that's from the um, grace of Rabbul Alameen and he's he can basically have almost anything he wants, but I make sure that he doesn't have anything that he wants. Um, and I always remind him, I say, I say, Mama, you know how sometimes we walk down the city and we see homeless people? You know, Allah uh, could have chosen you or me uh, to be one of those people. Mm, I mean. um, so don't think that it's that, you know, we just make money because we're powerful, yeah. but it's because Allah has actually I mean, given us that so. gift and Allah he's allowed us things, yes. um, uh, to be in that situation. Yeah. One, one most profound thing I did, subhanAllah, a close friend of mine said to me, because he knew I was going to Malaysia and I had all my boys and, and subhanAllah, he goes to me, you should go visit the orphanage. Mm. I said, what a great idea. So lo and behold, me and my wife and my four boys and my sister and her two kids, we go go visit the orphanage. Now in Malaysia, obviously, they're separate, females and males, separate orphanage, where the females are more, there was about 500 girls where the boys was only around 100. They say, you know, you chuck a, a boy, he falls on his feet, so he can, he can manage to yeah. to survive. So when the first day we went, and obviously my boys all had iPads and phones, and 
So the most unusual thing that happened, we went to an orphanage of, of girls and they're all looking at these iPads and iPhones mm. and they've never seen these devices before. SubhanAllah. A $1,000 device mm. is not going to be seen in an orphanage. And it's a very basic place, mm. just beds. It looks like, you know, a little hostel if you, if, you, if, you, if you image anything else. And one of the kids came up to my son and said to him, are you going to be like those tourists that come once and feel good about yourself and then leave? Yeah. And my, my son came up to me, Baba, we can't be one of these people. So we did. We visited him every single day oh. since we were in, in Malaysia. But what was profound is not only did my boys understand the blessings, that, and my, my, my own wife was saying, we could have been, I could have been an orphan. Allah SWT could have chosen me. Well, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. To be in this environment. How yes. would I have been? Yeah, and, and so, that was my point. You know what I mean? So subhanAllah, doing these things to ground our children, to mm. really understand that we are blessed Amen. and we are going to be accountable for that blessing, Amen. depending which way we want to use it. So just I just want to share that story because subhanAllah, my kids really came. Because my boy, my, my, my Musa, gave his iPad to one of the girls. Mm. And I said, Bobo, you can't be giving a $1,000 advice device to this girl. There's no internet here as well. That's another yeah. problem. There's no yeah. internet. There's no Wi-Fi. It's, this call mm. costs money. So it was amazing to see just the blessing of something like as simple as an iPhone or that these yeah. kids have never seen. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. You're right. So, yeah, we're, we're very fortunate to have been chosen to not be Amen. in that situation. Amen. Amen. Alhamdulillah. Like, as you said, we, we migrated from war-torn yeah. areas, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us the blessing to come here. And subhanAllah, and I've noticed, subhanAllah, throughout the podcast and the discussions we've had, that how many uh, brothers and sisters that have come from overseas yes. and have seen the hardships yes. and has motivated them to do more and, subhanAllah, really value value that blessing mm. that we are so blessed that we are here mm. and that we can do. It's like me and Brahim started our business concept with $500 each with mm. nothing. Yeah. N- yeah. Nobody, nobody gave us a handout. You know what yeah. I mean? But we understood that we are in such a valuable space that we can make a difference. We can change. Mm. Where some of a lot of our youth today haven't uh, seen that hardship, uh, haven't uh, seen uh, like a, Anyone that comes up to me and asks me, should I open a business? I'm like, and I've always said this. I said, in Australia, the worst case scenario is a commission house, <laughs> Centrelink, Medicare. Yeah. I said, in 90% of the world, that's a good scenario. It's an amazing it's scenario. So right. There's, no, there's, there's no lower you know than that. I, I, I never thought of that. That really is the worst case that's scenario. The worst case scenario. That is the worst case scenario in Australia. You're on Centrelink, you've got your healthcare card, you got hope. If you need a commission house, they'll give you one. I said, there's only up from there. There's only up from there. If True. you really, and people don't understand that. That's, that's, the, yeah. that's, that's the low bottom, you know, decision making, you know, waiting in that so line true. and getting your Centrelink, you know. It's like, oh my God, there's only up from here. There's only up yeah. from here. Yeah. Subhanallah. Yeah. I know. Alhamdulillah I know. on the blessings of Allah. Alhamdulillah. And it's amazing, like, as I say, when you recognize the blessings, when mm. we do recognize the blessings, where a lot of people don't. Mm. When you do, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, When you thank me, because we can only thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you recognize blessings. Correct. And when you recognize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what is it? It increases you. Gives you mm-hmm. more. And that's the increase, subhanAllah. Yeah. So when we don't recognize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's blessings, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mm. depletes us. Amen. Yes, is correct. Us, subhanAllah. Correct. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase us and uh, Amen, keep us Rab. thankful, inshallah, full of gratitude Amen. for Amen. the situations we're in, inshallah. Amen. Amen. Inshallah. Love, thank, lo- thank love your stories. Yeah, love for beautiful sharing such a beautiful journey with us. And inshallah, you know, we, we don't actually, um, we, it's, it's very rare that a person just um, stops to reflect on what they've done in their life until they get interviewed like this. And you think, <laughs> wow, have I really done all that? Wow, I've actually yeah, yeah. been through a well, lot. Well, yeah, like you were hesitant when I said, Zena, <laughs> we, need you, we need your story. It's an amazing story. And <laughs> subhanAllah, and, and everyone's got a story. And well. it's amazing. Like, and, and I, like subhanAllah, I value you so much personally, Thank purely you. from the work you've done with the girls at the retreat. You know what I mean? Like subhanAllah, how many girls come up to me and absolutely like mm. were in love with you and said how motivating yeah. you were to them. And mm. they, they inspired her yeah, too. Yeah, you know what I mean? So subhanAllah, you know, and again, you got inspired through the retreat and of course I know. They inspired uh, me <laughs> and, and, and I'd like to tell you how the retreat inspired me. So um, on the last day of the um, retreat, it was all about the goals, and I was given the last-minute task of talking about the goals. That's right, I was 
dumped with that, <laughs> that job. With Your job. Knowing you nothing said, I'm about do it. it. I said, yes, you're so doing it. at night time, I'm sitting there thinking, all right, how am I going to, look? how does someone fulfill the goals? Then as I'm, as I'm writing notes, I thought to myself, hang on a second. I've been saying for <laughs> years and years that I'm going to, um, you know, do a sewing class because I really love art and craft. Yes. It's, that's my passion. And I've been saying for years, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I don't, I, I'm, this is the time to stop being known as the going to person. <laughs> I'm going to do it. And immediately after the course, I sniffed around and I found that they had just opened up a um, Certificate 3 clothing and textile course wow. that I um, enrolled in straight away. Fantastic. And I've been doing it now for about eight months and it's one of the best things I've ever done. And I'm enjoying it so much. I, I do it every Fridays, and that's my Fantastic. mental health day. Fantastic. So I take every Fridays off work, um, and I do that course, and it just brings me um, so much happiness. It it, it breaks awesome. up a hard week. Ne- wow. Networks Australia is getting hassanet. There you go. So, and and <laughs> that honestly, that honestly came about from you know Doing the goals. participating in that and and writing the um, notes about the goals and thinking, well, I, I can't, you know. It's not going to happen on its own. I have to actually, amazing, yeah. uh, yeah. you know, do something about it. Hundred percent, amazing. It's amazing. Like I tell the retreat attendees, like, you think you guys get inspired. You know what I mean? You think guys, you think you guys get inspired. But it's kind of like we get tenfold more inspiration from yeah. being here, alhamdulillah, and really seeing. Yeah, we, we grow more. We grow more because 100%. we want more now. It's like, oh wow, yeah. you know what I mean? And not only like, like you said, you know, going to teach somebody something you're not implementing in your life. You start realizing, hey, hold on for a second. Mm. I've got to do something about this. Mm. I've got to be a better version of myself so I can yeah. give more. Correct. Absolutely. You know I mean? Absolutely. And and talking about, you know, being that better version of yourself so that you can uh, give more. Um, one of the hardest things I find yeah. with being a, a professional career woman is being able to give at home after I've been giving all day mm. at work. Yeah. Um, that's a really, really difficult balance that I'm constantly struggling with. Love um, love you know, I've, I've got, I've got Hasem, one child be at patient, home. mate. Hasem's amazing, <laughs> but he also comes home <laughs> tired, tired as well. Because he's, he's supposed to be semi-retired. I don't know. Doing. He's supposed yeah, to be semi-retired. That's not happening anytime <laughs> soon. <laughs> but I have an eight-year-old boy <laughs> at home um, who is a very, very smart boy who <laughs> loves to be fed information so um you know imagine after spending the day at um at work fixing everyone's problems <laughs> absorbing everyone's issues um you know making things better for them and then you have to go home and find the time or find the energy in to, fact to do the same to give a little bit more mum mum come and see the pokemon card <laughs> mum mum come and see this and it's just like oh i just want to i just want to sit on the couch and do you know um, nothing but i can't because he's got needs and he's got Allah. very important Allah. needs Allah. Alhamdulillah. Allah. 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 may Allah bless you and your family for all your support thank you and uh, thank, thank you for, you for coming for thank you for sharing thank you for being with the safi bros thank you very much I appreciate the time. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you.